0: Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of The Melinda Show. I have a couple of incredible guests here with me today um, talking about the topic of resilience, which is so uh, appropriate and beautiful to have this discussion right now amid all of the changes and transitions and fluctuations going on in the world. So um, I have with me Chelsea Snyder, who is the Geneva Resiliency Center Coordinator, and Greta Steele, who is the coordinator for the Finger Lakes Resiliency Network. And both of them are employees of Family Counseling Service of the Finger Lakes. I'm so grateful for this organization and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, ladies, for being here today. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I would love to open this conversation perhaps with our own individual definitions of resilience. Uh, and then maybe carry that into how it relates to what's going on in the world right now. Chelsea. Yeah,
1: I'll start. Because um, I, I know we geeked out about this last week. Um, I mean, I think the definition of resiliency for me, um, I've seen so many different like definitions. But for me, it's really about identifying that there is um, – that something arises, right? It's um, acknowledgement of something that is either a barrier or an event or something that lies in your path that is a boulder and um, your personal emotions or f- whether they're mental or physical, your reactions about that boulder in your, your path um, and what you use externally and internally to overcome or step around that boulder um and and you know continue on your path you might have little pebbles that um remind you of that boulder along the rest of your path but i think it's really about addressing oh my gosh this is really overwhelming for me this is a a struggle um right um but you're using like your internal toolbox um or your external toolbox to um, build a, a ladder up or lift it up with another person um, and persevere through it. I think it's adaptability. I think it's, um, you know, uh, being optimistic that you're gonna get over that boulder, right? No matter if it takes you a minute or 10 years or your whole lifetime. Um, so those are kind of the elements of, of resiliency that I think of when, um, Ask the, uh, the definition. Mm. I love it. Thank you. Greta, how about you? I, I think when I
2: think of resiliency, I think of um, along the lines of what Chelsea was saying that it's about there is an element of recognition, at least as I progress in my understanding of resiliency, of recognition that. Maybe there is an obstacle and that given my own history and background and experience, I am going to, I have a choice to react or respond and oftentimes reaction is first, but then recognizing that, uh, there are tools even beyond the ones in my toolbox, which, which, uh, of course includes maladaptive coping strategies, right? Because those are the easiest things to go for. Mm -hmm. But also I I see resiliency as encompassing a learning process of of learning because we know resiliency is is something that can be taught and learned. So I'm always um, trying to invest in learning new ways to overcome either internal or, or external problems. But I find a lot of hope and I try to, to bring that in my, into conversations about resilience that uh, thank goodness for neuroplasticity and thank goodness that we can, in fact, learn new ways of
0: responding and self-regulating to help us grow. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for that as well. Um, I know I was sharing with you uh, prior to the interview yesterday that in my education 20 years ago, time flies, <laughs> uh, going to school for psychology, it was incredible to me to think that there was no real subject matter, if you will, when it came to um, the The lifespan between adolescence and aging, and how much that has shifted in the last 20 years. Uh, I I actually work really closely with uh, a neuroscientist um, on my team who is a professor of psychology down in uh, Pennsylvania. We talk about this all the time you know, our ability to literally change our minds, right? Our ability to change our behaviors, our ability to Um, adapt and shift and pivot and overcome. And Chelsea, I love your um, recognition, your very pronounced recognition of like, what is this obstacle, right? It's turning those obstacles into um, opportunities, being able to overcome adversity. And for me in my own life, resiliency has had a lot to do with both the personal factors, uh, what is in my own toolbox, but then also the communal factors, right? What is, what is the, the, the level of um, interconnectedness of the fabric that contains us, that supports us? And, um, and I'm so grateful for the work that both of you are doing because I feel like that is so much uh, a part of your work. It is um, strengthening that fabric, right? Strengthening that fabric on a, on a personal level, on a communal level. And, um, and one of the analogies that I shared with you that that feels uh, deeply aligned with my own life experiences when I think about the 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 idea of community like the body and then thinking about resilience, resiliency is is like the the myelin that allows the information and the the impulses and and the connections to happen um, on a more rapid level. And so. Um, again, just grateful for the work that you're doing because it, it is something that uh, is so relevant right now, has always been and will always be, but in this time that we find ourselves in, in the world, uh, it's powerful even more so now than ever before. And so that's what I'd love to chat about too, is like when it comes to what is going on in the world right now, what has been um, on your minds and on your hearts? When it comes to resiliency
1: i mean for me it's like um i feel like i'm a pretty resilient person on uh when i'm at 100 percent and i'm at a game right um but definitely just you know in the past two three months it's like wow i'm really on the struggle bus right like things that i have to now adapt to right um Where I was adapting and making things happen um, now takes a whole lot more effort because of um, the elements that are we're now faced with right so um, as a person that um, gets that passion and drive from working with people and volunteering and hands-on and interacting with community members that's hard, right? Like I, I get inspired and really wanna dig in deep when I get surrounded by those people. So I think it's harder for me, um, to feel like I, I have a full cup that I can pour from, right? So um uh, I think the level of resilience also is like an internal like check. So like I know there's days that I'm like, Wow, I'm really not feeling very resilient. Like, what do I need to do to fill up my cup and um you know, whether that's an, an internal thing, right? Like, oh, I just need to take a break or I need to do some self-care or I need to, um, you know, check myself or is it reaching out externally and being like, okay, well, these are my supports around me, whether it's like personal or work, um, who can I like Zoom call or talk to um, or on the phone? Uh, to kind of build um, up that connection piece and feel like I can overcome um, this challenge or this, uh, you know, uh, adaptation of what work and what life looks like um, in, you know, this box.
0: (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. So interesting. I want to touch back on this after Greta shares because I want to explore this idea about self-care and about pouring from that cup. Because I think that is something that um, so many of us are um, challenged with during this time. I mean, in life in general, but especially during this time. So yeah, Greta, I would love to hear from you, like what's on your mind and heart when it comes to resiliency right now?
2: Um, <clears throat> I would say first and foremost, as a, as a parent in a, in a former early childhood, educator, really, I'm, I'm really find myself thinking about the children um, and how this is impacting them, especially, I, I think that we know a lot from history about how traumatic events and trauma can play out for children. Uh, and one of the popular sayings is children are resilient and they bounce back. And, and while that, that is true, I think it's important to look a little bit deeper and recognize that um, hunkering down and, and working from home for, for adults is not the same experience for children who are right now essentially disconnected from many of the the social supports or services that that uh were were helping to keep them healthy and um so that that's definitely something that's that's been on my mind and from a Proactive standpoint, and especially with the work that we do, I think that um, there are things we can certainly do as, as adults and communities to, to help support um, and continue to build those resiliency factors. But I think it takes some, some digging. I mean, even the young ones who can't necessarily articulate what they're what they're feeling or what they're experiencing. Um, but that is a a profound a profound
0: loss of of connection. So yeah. I'm feeling you on that. I'm feeling you on that and and it's interesting because I relate that to what Chelsea was talking about in terms of um you know, her self-reflection, right? So so something something that has been on my mind and my heart this entire time is Okay, so I am a, a, you know, almost 43 year old woman who is well connected, well educated, um, and, and, you know, has a level of resources, right. And I am struggling through this time. Right. So, you know, take away any one of those things, the level of connection, which we automatically do not have if you don't have technology or just the network. Alone, that you're comfortable to reach out to, um, you know, take away that level of education, take away the level of resources, and and I imagine how much uh, of a struggle that is, right? And how painful it can be. And so then I relate it to the children, right? Because I look at my own son who is four, and and I and I see him struggle to articulate what's happening for him, but he misses his friends, he misses his teachers, he misses. Uh, being able to just go out in the world and and connect—he's a very social kid, and um, you know that is so very much part of the the that that fabric we're talking about, right? It's the connection piece. Um, Chelsea, I know you and I talked last week about the book *Bowling Alone*. It was one of the the first books to really hit me on this topic. Um, it's either Ro- Robert Putnam or Putman, and I. I just, I always get it confused, but you know, he talks about how we've had this continuous decline of social capital, you know, over certainly the, um, you know, the 19th century, but now in the 20th century, there's this sort of question mark of what happens from here, right? Are we gonna use technology for the greater good to create more connection? Um, Are are we going to stand up for that loss that we've experienced and continue to build? And, and so again, I'm so grateful for the work that you're both doing, because I think that's part of the answer to that question. Um, But when I relate back to this idea of self care, Rachel Hollis, uh, the author of Girl, Wash Your Face, right, she, she had this um, quote, or analogy, because I won't get the quote correct, but um, analogy about you know imagining ourselves like bases, right? And we're constantly pouring out into everyone and everything around us, and eventually we find ourselves empty. And what are the symptoms of that? You know, frustration, resentment, depletion, depression, um, and just continue on down that spectrum, right? Uh, but if we just focus on standing tall and pouring into that base continuously then we have no option eventually, but to overflow into everything and everyone around us. And the idea of that challenged me quite a bit at first, but I I felt like I have the privilege to honor that, right? And so now I take that as a responsibility because if I have the ability to continue to pour into everyone and everything around me, then I need to pour into myself continuously. And so that's become like the mission of my business, the mission of my life, right? To, to continue to um, fortify those internal resources so that I can be present to all of the things. Um, and again, I do I, I see that through the lens of privilege. I know that it, it is something that uh, is afforded to me, but again, because of it, I consider it responsibility. So. Getting back to you know, this idea of building resilience, right? Building resiliency within our communities, within the people in our communities. What are some of the, the programs and projects that are most near and dear to you in terms of the work that you're doing right now?
1: Um, as for like what, um, what we're working on right now? Yeah. Well, it made me think of two things. Um one is a, an activity that I used to do with a support group um where we would put our hand out and trace it and we would put in all of our supports. So, um I think that would just kind of as like a takeaway just, you know, what a great time for us to take pause and sit down and identify um who we can go to to call, um, you know, just kind of that chain mail of like, okay, that person's busy. Like I'm going to call the next person who could help us out um, in like the social human resources, like who just, who could you call, right? That, that phone link. So um, just so people see it in ink, um, who are, who can support them, right? Those positive institutions. Um, I think that's great for kids. I think that's great for, you know, adults as well, just to be like, okay, like, I feel alone, but I also am very connected. So that kind of self awareness. Um, I think something that we're working right now on um, with the GRC is just time stamping Geneva. Um, so we're specific to Geneva um, and My hope is to give people the power of choice um, and uh, awareness of um, the services and the people and those positive institutions out there, like willing and able to wrap around if they need it. Um, So right now we're timestamping Geneva and really trying to create this community resource guide that um, is accessible to all, um, has visuals and is very, uh clear on what's out there for different service sectors if you need childcare, here are the top 10 places that you as an individual can um look through and uh choose which one is going to meet your needs whether it's location or um uh you know um eligibility or it's um reviews right something that really gets me very passionate is that referral process right so um when i'm looking for a doctor i may look at my health insurance and see what's covered but i'm going to ask my good like friend or my coworkers or my neighbors hey who do you go to because that referral is going to be more highly valued to me um then what my insurance covers, right? So, um, and that's going to be worth, right? That value of investment and, um, you know, really uh, the warm handoff. So, I want that good neighborly, like, referral process, but also giving the power of choice to people um, so that they feel like they can have um, a choice. And um, also, it's a, kind of continual loop between service providers and community members um, so that service providers can provide better care to community members and community community members can access more services and what are the barriers that are lying um, between that, right? Are there boulders between that, whether it's transportation or I can't get out of work or um, I have a child that I have to find somebody to, um, you know, hold on to, or I went and I didn't get a great vibe, like, or I had a bad experience, or um, I'm not sure if they'll, like, um, like, be okay with my identity. Like, there's a lot of fear um, but behind um, a lot of um, service provider choices. So how do we have a, an honest and solution-focused conversation um, to one, improve the services in Geneva, right, that we have so many of. Two, um, reduce those barriers um, and have more people access services, right? Because especially right now, we need help, right? So um, I think everybody's on some sort of struggle bus, um, but it's the time to really tap into those community resources and utilize them. That's what they're there for. and don't fear that you know um, it's there's a lot of stigma with with asking for help. I think I also um, am one to say like you know talk about empty cup, but it's hard for me to ask for help. But I think this is a, a time to really say, hey, I'm gonna give this person a call and see if they can help me. And if not, like the next person will. Right? There's so many people out there. Whether it's an actual like. Um, you know, nonprofit or for-profit or it's like a community group or a volunteer group or your next door neighbor, right? Like there's somebody on that list of who you can reach out to in that like hand activity that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, nobody here in Geneva wants to see another person struggle. So um, that's what kind of lights me up and what I'm really trying to just get, get the awareness out there and help both the community members access services, but also the services be able to reach more um, at-risk, vulnerable populations in Geneva. Amazing! Thank you, Greta.
0: What's on your What's on your mind? What's on your heart? What's I really what... like that, the,
2: the uh, Chelsea that you mentioned a, a neighbor, um, because I think it it really speaks to those resiliency factors, you know, that, that relationships matter and it doesn't always have to be someone that you have a long-standing rapport with, that, that little interactions can, can make a huge difference. And I think um, I too can relate to, uh, it is much, it comes much more natural to me to uh, offer help to be the one helping than the one on the receiving end of that help because that feels vulnerable because I I can do it all, I have it all together. I don't, <laughs> and um, I find that the more I practice, and it is practice because it does not come naturally, it is not comfortable. When I practice actually and truthfully answering the question, well, how are you doing right now? And admitting, you know what? Um, I'm really struggling with with being a parent in my off working from home at my office, which is in the living room, and they want me right when I'm finished and I want to hide in the bathroom with the door locked and just like regroup. But what I found is when I admit that, when I say that to someone else, it's it's like it gives them permission, it both ways to say this is okay, well, this is me, this is how I'm doing it, as opposed to, um, what Buddhism might call the second arrow, where I'm already struggling, but then I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat myself up further for not struggling in the right way, for not, for not doing this right, Mm -hmm. so, and, and as far as programs, I love the interconnectedness that, um, The the GRC has with the Finger Lakes Resiliency Network. um, I I see that they're separate, but there's a lot of um, interconnectedness. We we work primarily to help organizations um, really first and foremost, have a, a cultural shift, a shift in, in the lens that, they're, that, that we all are looking through when it comes to the impact of trauma. When we look at individuals, rather than asking like, what the heck is wrong with you? Changing that to asking, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. That really requires an, uh, an understanding of the, the prevalence of trauma and the impact of trauma and the fact that resiliency it is a very powerful and real thing that, that can help ameliorate some, some of some of what we know trauma can do so um, it's it's very exciting to be a part of because there's we just we move through the phases of of being trauma informed and then becoming sensitive, you know, how do, how, do we, how do we take in the big picture of social determinants of health and, and, and impact and those universal precautions of, of just, everyone has had some trauma. Um, so let's treat everyone with that, that kindness and respect um, so as not to re-traumatize. And then, and then lastly, we focus on, you know, how do we sustain this? You know this is a process not an event so we're not just it's not just a checklist it's it's really understanding it and and to use your metaphor uh, Melissa that just weaving this cultural shift into the very fabric of the organization and sustaining it through new hire and and, and turnover and um, how that plays into a, a whole community
0: beautiful well I so we could be here literally all day, unpacking um, so many different dimensions and aspects of what both of you have shared about the work that you are doing and, and just what is simply on your minds and hearts when it comes to resiliency. Um, I know we need to wrap up, but one of the things that is on my mind and heart, and I'm hoping might also, impact our listeners and our viewers is this question that i have and we may not find the answers today we, we might need to revisit but greta when you were talking about thinking about the children and and i and i think about how that relates to my own story what both of you don't know is when i moved from seneca falls to um geneva I, I moved away from uh, a community that was definitely experiencing a lot of trouble. I lived out on Peterman Road, and um, you know I loved our home. I loved the space that we were in, um, not too far down the road. However, we had just a lot of struggle and conflict and right before we left, um, you know there was a, a huge brawl that required like state troopers and all of our police force and uh, there's just a, there's a community out there that um, you know really uh, has has a, a lack of uh, connection um, and and resources and uh, I definitely had a lot of fear there as a single parent with my child um, but I realized at a certain point that there was like this us versus them kind of thing going on in our community and I was I was mirroring that. And so what's been on my heart recently is thinking about the kids that were there. So in my story, um, of the last few years, one thing I can tell you is when my son was born, I I talk about that being when I was, when I truly was born, right? Like life really didn't feel like it had, uh, the same level of, of meaning until he came. Right. Um, but, about three years after he was born, we had an incident on our street where there was a, a, a three-year-old boy, who was not quite three, a three-year-old boy who, who was killed um, in his home and, by his caretakers. And that was a moment for me when some things really came alive, right? It was like this knowing that, we need to we need to be wondering about the kids across the street and it relates back to some stories from way long ago that we'll have to share another time but um, I think about those kids I think about all the kids in the world who are the kids across the street who are in our neighborhoods who are near our homes who are struggling what can we be doing to raise their level of resilience like I'm about to go make a lot of those hands and go pass them out <laughs> just to remind these children of you know the the knowing that there are other people out there in the world who love them who are thinking of them who care um when they are going through tough times
1: yeah i think a couple of things come to mind of like what can we do right i think it's um you know two things specifically so um first off Um, it just what Greta was saying. It's not like what's wrong with you. It's what happened to you. Right. Um, so I think about that so much, right? Like it's usually those kids at school that are acting out and are really just like taking up all of your energy and time that really do need that energy and time from you because they don't have it elsewhere. Right. Um, it's that coffee shop, um, or, you know, um, Server at the restaurant that's really, really just crabby and giving you short answers, they need that time and attention and like that understanding that, hey, like they got some serious things happening happen um, in the background. They might be struggling financially. They might be going through a divorce. They might be, you know, um, just got some bad news about a, a illness, right? So I think it's that empathetic of like, hey, you're having. Just like a dog that's stuck in a a snare, right, is lashing out. um, What can we do to say, "Hey, I see that you're like taking um, my coffee like money, but I see that you're in a snare, um, and I'm gonna be a little bit more kind to you, even if I can't get you out of that snare. Um, But here's like a tip um, in the tip jar, or you know, here's a smile or a compliment." that I hope like, you know, is well-received and um, is that one small connection that um, might make somebody's day and help them be just a little tiny bit more resilient. I think it's also um, uh, that uh, the data is out there, right? <clears throat> that um, kids are um, less at risk, um, when they have at least one positive adult connection in their life. Um, So this is for so many at-risk youth, but I think it translates to adults as well. So um, whether it be a coach or a teacher or a parent's, um, or a friend's parent or um, a grandparent or a cousin, that one positive adult role model or person that they can connect with, I think, is such an important thing. I think we take it for granted sometimes, our connections and relationships with one another. Um, But people just need to feel that connection, right? That one person that they can turn to and be like, hey, I, hey coach, like I'm really struggling at home. Like I am um, not like, I don't know when I put my head down, like what's going to happen the next day. And that person doesn't need to solve those things, right? But they need to just be there for that person and be like, hey, whatever, like what do you need right now? Is there anything that I can do? Is it just a listening ear or is it like, you know, referring to um, some sort of like um, help or do we need, like asking permission, right? But also being like, I'm here for you no matter what, no matter if you lash out at me for helping, like I'm there if you need, um, you know uh, uh, a minute, so um, I think just having that empathy and um, those small drops into people's buckets, but also really solidifying those connections, especially with young people, especially young people right now that don't have that um, when they go to school, right You think of all the teachers and principals and staff and cafeteria workers and coaches that they're missing out right now, um, art teachers right um, if you can be that for a neighborhood kid or your niece or nephew or your next door, like that's like the perfect time, whether it's, you know, it's probably not gonna be in person, but I mean, let's go old school and new school, like pen pals, um, text messages, like there's so many different ways you can get creative um, that just say, hey, I'm thinking of you, um, I care. Like those, those are the little things that really make a big difference are um, the, the things that I love the most. I love it. You just gave
0: me some great ideas. Good. (laughs) Yeah. Greta, anything you want to add to that? Um, I, yes. (laughs) I think
2: that in the, in these times, it's something that I try to remind myself of daily is you don't have to be a therapist in order to make any interaction, no matter how big or small, therapeutic. That's I took that quote from somewhere I've read it, it's not my, <laughs> but I, I really think about that, you know, in this time where we're all struggling and we know that that struggle looks different from person to person, and, and I think that if we can, again, shift shift that lens, people people aren't seeking attention, they're seeking connection, and they're seeking to be seen, and there's a lot of people that just feel invisible and when i think of that and the statistics that we know that incidences of domestic violence and and child abuse and and things like this uh, even you know more severe punishment is happening as kind of a byproduct of finding ourselves in this situation and being in our homes i think i think that even those little ra- random Act of acts of kindness really do echo louder than maybe they would otherwise because it's easy to just feel trapped in our in our in our own space and forget that we are we are connected mm-hmm. um, and so for for myself one of the things that that I've been doing and in, in our in my two children is we've been trying to just... Do a random act of kindness every day, even if it's leaving like a post-it note or buying someone uh, a coffee in the drive-through, a stranger or whatever. Because I think, you know, even as a even as a parent who who gets flustered when someone, even just the other day, you know, I was like rolling my eyes, like, okay, you t- okay, you two, like, look, please get in the car. We have to go, you know. And, that smile from another adult, just like, I see you, it's hard Mm -hmm. and it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I guess that's uh, people aren't giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Such a good reminder for everyone right now. (laughs) Right? All right, ladies. Well, I'm so grateful for both of you for being here today. Grateful for the work that you do. We are going to have to wrap up, um, but you know, on that last note and with both of your recommendations of things that we, we can be doing, um, one of the, the mottos that I've had since this pandemic started is to spread love, to be kind, and that in and of itself will create a movement. So thank you both so much. Have a wonderful day, and I'm sure we'll be chatting soon.
2: Thank you so so much for this opportunity.